all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and this is Relatively Speaking. We're talking today about divorce. My question to you is why good people, why do good people do bad things during and after a divorce? Why does divorce seem to bring out the worst in us? Families, friends, the children especially are affected by divorce um, when a marriage ends. Actually, some of you out there may have had your parents go through a divorce when you were children and have some very bitter memories of it. Is there a way to make something unpleasant and life-changing like a divorce end without the hate, the fury, the, the incredible anger that goes along, plus the, the lost friends and family that happens when you're going through it? I want to hear from you. I want to hear what your stories are. And I'll tell you a little bit about my experiences, too. To join in the conversation, you can call one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. So... Last week, we talked about forgiveness, and I, as I left the studio, it occurred to me that one of the biggest areas that one needs to learn to forgive is in the area of a failed marriage. Um, so I have full disclosure here. I've been through a divorce. It wasn't easy. Children were involved. Family was involved. And honestly, it's not something that I would wish on anyone. It was not easy. That was a lot of years ago, and I've been in a marriage with a great guy for the last 27 years, so um, that ended happily. Um, but honestly, those many years ago going through the divorce, I saw none of that happiness in my future, uh, only the past and the difficult present, and keeping in mind, I had some training on how to do this better. So... Um, did I always say the right things to my children, um, to others around me? No. Did I always make sure that the children were not involved? Now, I tried very hard to make sure they weren't. But did I always succeed? If you talk to them, if you talk to my adult children, uh, they will likely say, no, we felt involved at times. So did we make sure that the kids didn't have more loss than they had to have? I think we both tried to do that, both my ex-husband and myself. We tried. Um, so th those are all important things to think through. So let's circle around. If we kind of know the right things to do, if we if we kind of um, feel that it 
sort of a given that you try to keep the kids out of it and you you try not to end up having mortal enemies in on the other side of the fence, so to speak. Why why do we do that? Why does divorce bring out the worst in us? So I want to give you a few reasons, and then I want to hear your reasons and your thoughts, and and maybe how you, if your family, maybe it's not you, maybe it's a sibling or a good friend who's going through it, maybe you um, have some thoughts or ways to make this turnaround. Because the the goal would be with this show is to remind everybody that that being angry and having fury and continuing to battle is the worst thing you can do for the people around you that you love, but also for yourself and your health. We talked last week about forgiveness and how it's good for your health. This is in that same category. Absolutely. If you're not dealing with that anger, fight or flight phenomena all the time, then overall your blood pressure, your heart rate, all of that is going to be better. So, so why, why the worst? Okay. The, the first part is that it's hurtful. I said that from the beginning, it was painful for me to go through it. Um, It was a big life change. It wasn't something that I had planned. Um, My my sense of well-being and my sense of stability was threatened, um, and and it was scary. And that's coming from someone who had a profession and who knew that I could support myself. Now, you put someone who has made their lifetime profession into homemaking and caring for the home and taking care of the home, um, it, I would imagine, become even more frightening. Or think about perhaps a couple who have a business together. And then all of a sudden you have to figure out how you're dividing that. Um, there, there are all kinds of different reasons that, that we can hopefully easily understand why sometimes it does bring the worst out. It's scary. Stability is threatened. Um, so... Let's talk about probably sort of the top reasons that we get ugly. Um, and as we're moving through, I want you to give me a call um, about what your thoughts are about this first one. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. I really do want you to join the conversation because I know there are many of you out there who have stories about this. So let's go to the first big reason that we get ugly, money. When money's involved, it gets tough, doesn't it? Um, When you're talking about splitting, when you're talking about who pays for what, when you talk about who keeps the house, who doesn't, or the car, or even um, about child support, it it always um, 
shocks me that there's um, a lot of argument about even the financial future of your children. It seems that should be joint. But then sometimes people do get greedy. And I guess there's some concern out there as to whether or not the the money agreed to is used for what it's agreed to be used. So, um, so yeah, that's very complicated. So you have to think about that. The that part of the divorce, I guess, is a business transaction. And I know there have been some discussions about this on our legal show in legal terms. Um, but but certainly to make sure that you need to keep a cool head and remember, if you're going to be a savvy business person, that you you make sure that you negotiate properly. But try not to attach feelings to it, and that's what we do. So you want to check with someone who can help you through that, your financial advisor, your attorney, um, whoever your counselor can help you strategize. Be careful, be careful about using um, friends and family always, um, because I'll tell you that often your friends and family who love you dearly are going to tell you to go for the throat. Um, and you want to um, make sure that you're thinking through this logically, asking for logical stuff. Um, now, I said money. One thing that I hear parents do often to children is to say um, in a divorce situation or a separated situation, go ask your father, I can't afford that. Or I'm not paying for that, that's up to your dad, or vice versa, your mother. And um, that is absolutely the wrong thing to do. If you think it should be a discussion between you and the child's other parent, from whom you are separated or divorced, then it should be a discussion between the two of you. Your child should not be entered in it. And this is where, and I can tell you on each single one of these instances that I step through, um, you will see how children often get interjected in between every single one of these, starting with probably the one that brings the most anger and fury, and that is is the the money issue. Um, the other issue, too, that is uh, in there, and well, we can talk a little bit more about that um, as we move along, is if there had been an affair, some unfaithful behavior, um, then that, of course, is a huge, huge issue and something that children should really never hear about. Honestly, um, as your children get older, they they understand, they know, they pick up on things, um, and many times they don't need you feeding them more negative stuff that they already know. So be careful about that. 
All right. So money is a big issue. When we come back, we'll talk about the win or lose situation and why we feel like we have to always come out on top. That's part of it, too. We're talking about divorce, uh, why it brings out the worst in us, what we can do to try to help ourselves or help others that we know who are going through it. Give us a call. Join in at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking. We'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. Today we're talking about divorce and why it brings out the worst in us and what we can do to make it better. Certainly forgiveness is one of those things we need to remember. But as we're moving along, talking about the different things that we tend to fight about, the things that cause the biggest strife, the most anger, the most fury. We've talked about money and how tricky that can be. And now we're going to move into the fact that sometimes when we get involved in this, we feel like it needs to be a win or lose situation. If you don't come out on top, boy, this is going into battle, right? You're going in with the saber and you're going to win that battle. Um, Somebody treated you badly or is treating you badly and you want to get even. You want to go after it. Um, So not a good thing to do, especially if you're trying to make sure you're doing the right thing for everyone so that win or lose is not the way it needs to be. Actually, it needs to be a compromise. Uh, That's not how it feels, I know. It might feel like a failure. You might feel broken or, or ruined, And it might feel like now all there's to do is to fight over stuff and money and kids. And, um, you know, there are winners and losers in a fight. So what you need to remember is the compromise is important. So for those of you out there who are um, trying to help a friend or a family member through this, Try to help them remember that this is not a battle, a win or lose battle. This should be something where you feel like there's a compromise, where things come out okay. Um, If they come out okay and you're not going to battle, you're more likely to make the right kind of decisions. And it won't just be a decision to defeat the other person or to hurt the other person. Um, that's really, really important to remember. 
So give us a call if you want to talk or add to this, or if you have some questions, certainly about the way things should be approached, or maybe you have a wrong that you feel like you'd like to make right, but you don't know how. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 7464 So I think um, you've all heard the statistics that... Um, of marriages, first marriages, end in divorce. Um, First marriages, about 28% end in the first seven years and another 50 by the end of 25 years, Um, and a total of 50. Um, Second marriages have even a worse statistic. So um, everybody goes through this. I'm not going to talk about how to get married right again. I'm talking about how to just get through this. Um, Another thing, now we've talked about money and a win or lose. The other thing is divorce is often fueled by stress. The stress that's generated even by something that a divorce that's fairly straightforward, fairly amicable, um, and uncomplicated is big. It's still a big deal. You're still dividing things out. You're breaking up a household. Um, And then when you put on top of that um, a marriage when you feel like there have been lies and anger flares or complicated financial or family situations, the stress is magnified. And that magnification of stress can cause us to do things that we otherwise wouldn't do. It can sabotage our ability to think clearly. It can sabotage our ability to react um, properly, to take in information properly, to even figure out what we should be doing and, and how. So it's, it's really absolutely um, necessary that you find ways to manage the stress during the divorce because during stress, during those fight or flight times when your blood pressure's up, your heart rate's up, your emotions are up, you're thinking with your midbrain instead of the prefrontal, that thinking brain, the executive fun- function part of your brain, the front part, then you're going to make bad decisions. You're going to say some things that perhaps you should not say. And so... Um, Trying to find a way to better manage the stress is something that is really important. So healthy outlets, come up with a way to make yourself feel better while you're going through this. Eat right, exercise right, um, find a therapy group, find a support group. Those are all really, really important things. Um, And so... Keep in mind caring for yourself as one is going through this. And if you see a friend who is drinking too much or um, perhaps turning to drugs, to anti-anxiety drugs due to some some concerns or problems, then um, you need to think about intervening. This may be your child um, who's going through this. Um, young marriages end um, also, unfortunately, and many times we get into marriages before we really know who we are. So um, 
Waiting to hear from you. We've got open lines. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. Dr. Budgers, we had a, a caller who could not stay on ask how domestic violence changes the dynamic of divorce. Oh, goodness. Domestic violence, um, how that changes the dynamic of divorce. That's a big one. Um, certainly, uh, there has been a great deal of research about how bad domestic violence is for everybody involved, but particularly the person who is on the receiving end. And then if children are in the household, um what they are either witnessing um, and or receiving also. So in domestic violence, it's not just always spousal violence. Sometimes it's also a child who is either also on the receiving end um, or trying to stand in between the violence between the parents and getting involved in that way. Um, that's huge. That's immense. If there is someone committing the violence, then it does change it. Obviously, I would imagine that the amount of stress that's fueled from something like that would be huge. Um, obviously, you want to make sure that you have really excellent legal advice and good documentation of what has been ongoing and also good protection in place as you're stepping through the divorce. Now, when there is domestic violence, obviously the individual who is committing it needs help also. So um, one would hope that that would be included. Now, here's an, another caveat. That would, that would have um, a lot of ramifications in how one figures out visitation. Um, you want to make sure as you're going through the divorce that you have the proper recommendations made for your child. If you feel like this person has a violent temper and perhaps is an individual who doesn't need to be around the children until the temper is um, worked on, then that can be a condition um, in in a divorce setting. So one needs to make sure that as you're going through something like that, um, that you get excellent, not just legal advice, but also professional advice from a counseling standpoint to make sure that you know you're approaching this correctly. And that advice, and I'm going to say this um, two or three times, we all know that Everyone has an opinion. They're not all good ones. So make sure that when you're seeking opinions about something as important as how to deal with domestic violence, um, how to protect your children from domestic violence, um, what you need to do about it, that you need to pick someone who really knows their stuff. Pick someone who is well-trained in it. If you have a 
legal, and you should, of course, always have legal advice. Make sure that you have someone who understands what's going on and how. That does not mean that your your mother or your father or your family member or your best friend should come in and tell you what to do. Advice, um, you know, it's opinions and often driven by emotion and therefore many times not so much for um, that decision-making that should be part of a divorce agreement as you're moving through it. So I hope that helped. If you have a specific question, please feel free to give a call back and and let us know um, what type of questions you have um, any further about this. Let's go on to the phone lines. We have Suzanne and Laurel. Good morning, Suzanne. Thanks for listening. Hey, how are you today? I'm doing great. Um, tell us what you had uh, an article that you wanted to recommend. Well, a section, actually, uh, a website. Um, sure. I I had been married for 18 years when I got divorced, and it was completely unexpected. Uh huh. You know, uh, and what helped me more than anything was the divorce section on the Huffington Post. And the, the article there about there was a woman who wrote a series on what she called the tsunami divorce, the one that was completely unexpected. Uh-huh. Um, either a uh, lot to do with, in her case and mine, too, uh, financial fraud. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just found that probably the most helpful thing I stumbled upon. And um, a saying by Nora Ephraim, she said, when you have children... She said, divorce is a slice of your mind that is always missing. And that really helped me a lot because we did have children. And uh, later I found out the person who invented the divorce section of the Huffington Post was Nora Ephraim. Suzanne, um, I think you have some really great things to say. For some reason, your line keeps clicking in and out with static. Um I heard part of what you said about the Huffington Post article on divorce, and they, there are some great articles in there with some real experts. And um, I want you to call back and give us that quote again that you had. So if you'll hang up and just call the line back, we still have open lines, and we'll go to the next caller and get back to you as soon as you call back. Thank you. Okay, let's go to Sue in Beaumont. Um, Sue, you have some questions? No, I would just like to make a comment. I, I've, I've been through the divorce thing, and, and I, you know, a bunch of women get together and they talk about their exes or their soon-be exes, and, and uh, they do it in front of the children, and I was always appalled. I would never do that because the children are half his DNA, too. And so when you put him down in such horrendous terms or this and then it's like the children are the, the children are half his DNA, and it's like I, I never would do that. I never did. I'm not a I'm not a, a loyal. I'm not a I'm not a person who would do that. You know, right? Just so, for their sake. Yeah. So that's an excellent point, and I, I I want us to reiterate that over and over again is that children should not be involved in the negative things you have to say about their mother or father to whom you're no longer married. It is very damaging and. You are so right. I mean, these children know that that 
they're part, they're half and half of mom and dad. And so why would it be okay to talk about what a dirty lying scoundrel? Yes, yes. Yeah. And so to to keep that in mind, and like I said, children are so smart, and they'll figure out if there was one person who was mistreated or, or was quote, better than the other individual. You don't need to tell them. And that's one thing I've told my kids over and over again. The best thing that happened from that first marriage was the fact that I had three wonderful, beautiful children, and I'm so grateful for them. And so that's they need to know that that you're grateful those kids are there, not that you are sorry that you ever had a relationship with that man because at some point, or woman, at some point you were in love with them. So I think it's okay to talk to your children about what you would look for in a spouse. I think it's okay to talk about perhaps that you didn't have the commonness that you thought you had, but it's not okay to 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 denigrate and degrade to talk. No. So that's my kids did not know the what really went on until they were adults, and mm-hmm. you know we talked about it and they. They realized that, you know, I, I just kept my mouth shut. I didn't say anything negative against him. It's just not right to do that in front of them. Go off with your girlfriend and have coffee and talk, but don't do it in front of the kids like that. That's my opinion. That's right. Thank you, Sue. You're absolutely correct. Well, we have open lines. We want you to give us a call in at one eight seven seven MBP ring MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We're going to go back to Suzanne and Laurel. Suzanne, thanks for calling back. Oh, no problem. Okay, um, that's I, much better. I didn't know which part you missed the um, the quote I had. Yeah, tell us okay. the quote. I was reading um, something Nora Ephraim said, and she said that. Uh, divorce, and, and she meant in the context where children is, you know, are involved, that divorce is a slice of your mind that's always missing. And that was the quote that helped me cope with this unexpected, uh, completely debilitating divorce that mm-hmm. we were all going through. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it, it helped me gauge my reactions to things. But I was going to say she, I found out after I, you know, kind of incorporated that quote that she was the one responsible for the uh, divorce section on the Huffington Post. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know. So, so many times. So you had children involved or you were the child of a divorce? Uh, Well, my parents got divorced when I was 35. (laughs) (laughs) That's hard, too, isn't it? (laughs) Well, not Not um, so much. Not so much. My my parents were married 40 years, so it's not like they they didn't give it the try. Uh, But for me, uh, the woman on um, the Huffington Post, she writes about the tsunami divorce, uh, Lisa Airbelt. She talks about how it was precipitated by financial fraud. And that's what it was in my case as well. I mean, it's uh, completely unexpected. You know, uh, you thought you were completely happy, and then you check the bank account one day, and you're, you know, $1,000 in the hole. Yeah, um, that's tough. He's he's written bad checks in your name one too many times. And for me, that was just, I couldn't deal with it anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Yeah, and often, yeah, and I am sure, you know, the the financial, like I said, at the top of the list, the the financial issue often is is a huge thing. And sometimes it is a financial issue due to um, a gambling addiction or some other problem. It may be due to bad investments or it may just be due to lies and um, not being up front and not being the person that you thought you married. But all, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we had, uh, he was a theology major. And I, I, I mean, there were gambled mortgage payments lost at the Baccarat table. I mean, it was, yeah. Yeah. it became glaringly apparent that it wasn't going to get better. So, but my, my biggest problem with it was I had a 15 year old daughter at the time and it's just so hard on adolescents. It's hard, but, but let me tell you, there is evidence out there that it is, it's better to be out of a bad marriage than to stay in a bad marriage for, for your children. There are data out there that make it very clear. Now, what you need to also know, though, is if one goes from a financially stable uh, position to an unstable position or living in poverty, that's another thing. And that's why it's so important as you're moving through divorce to make sure that you do whatever you can do to try to get some financial stability. It sounds like you were in a, a very difficult position, Suzanne. I actually have an article on the Huffington Post about having to go on food stamps with yeah. years and years of college because of the divorce. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, and you are not the first person that that's happened to, and I am sure it caused a lot of stress, and I am sure it caused yeah. some anger in you. Um, but hopefully, you're getting beyond that. Have you gotten some help for that? Um, well, it was. It's been five years. I've been remarried for three, and we're all we're all peaceful and happy. You Good. know. Good. Even with two teenagers. <laughs> Which is tough. And there is light at the end of the tunnel then. So, but to remember, sometimes even when you when you move into a new marriage and you've had to deal with issues like you have, Vicki, sometimes yeah. remembering that counseling can help um, in the new yeah. marriage. So, so the mistrust that you probably developed from having to deal with that... Um, um, will be um, taken care of. You want to make sure that you're able to give yourself fully in your marriage. I think that's probably one of the difficult areas of a second marriage. Well, yeah, for sure. Well, Vicki, good luck. Thanks for your call, and thanks for sharing with us. Um, and, uh, oh, Suzanne, I'm sorry. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> we have Vicki waiting on the line. Um, <laughs> so, Vicki, wait. We'll be back. And when we get back, we're going to continue to talk about divorce um, and why it sometimes brings the worst out in us, how we can combat that, what we can do. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relly. Speaking, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. We'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 
To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. Thanks for listening. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and today we're talking about divorce, why it brings out the worst in us. How can we forgive? How can we step through that? How can we make sure that those we love who are going through it are not continuing to damage their lives further? Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 if you want to join the conversation. There's lots to talk about in this area. We're going to go to the phones in just a sec, but I wanted to mention one more thing that enabled people to move more deeply into the really negative ground of divorce, and that's social media. People will post the worst things out there, and people remember it's black and white, it's in type, you are going to have that out there forever. So you don't want to post things that you're going to regret. It doesn't take long to find a posting out there where somebody's trashing their ex. You want to make sure that you don't join that crowd. Don't do it. Your children especially are so media savvy. They will find that. They will see that. They don't need to. And so what I, w- I would encourage you not to. I'm sure many of you have stories about um, things such as that that have happened. All right, let's go on to, we have Vicki in Biloxi. Vicki, you have some comments about divorce? Um, yes, I think so. Um, I can relate to the last caller, Suzanne, um, about the devastation what finances can do mm-hmm. um, as an ending result. But um, how do we get past it? How do you forgive? I think it starts by really uh, embracing love. You have to find a source where you're loving yourself enough to pull yourself out of it. Um, it my situation was uh, devastating, and um, it left me in a position where I had to sink or swim. Mm-hmm. And um, I am I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be at the point where I can say I swam. Um, I decided not to give up. I, I knew that I had to live. I had children looking at me who depended on me. And uh, why do people get angry? Uh, the, the anger is always there. It just resurfaces. Um, it just gets to a point where it just ball, it just it resurfaces. You're able to really see it at that point. Um, you know, somewhere before the divorce, we lost hope mm-hmm. of, of certain mechanisms, elements to our relationship, to our marriages. So, Vicki, I have a question. Um, tell me, what what made you uh, decide that you just needed to love yourself and take care of yourself and your kids? Was there a person in your life that helped you through that, or was there, did you just have a click in your brain that said, um, get up, Vicki, you've got to do this? I, I went through different stages. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I went through different stages. I have really had to examine myself. I, I remember vividly speaking to my 16-year-old and letting him know what we were about to face. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure he felt it. 
because he felt the financial strain. Uh, we, we, we had a, a, a steady income, a decent living, a, a very good life. And, it, you know, slowly things constantly got unstable. That included finances. Mm-hmm. But when I talked to him, it was very important for me not to bash the other because I really knew that my hand somewhere played part in the devastation and destruction of this final coming. And so I I focused on that and I let him know that uh, mommy didn't do some things that was, that was, that was good. So I don't, you know, when you look at this, don't look at him, look at the fact that this is what it is because I have not been perfect. I have made my mistakes and, you don't see them now, but they were there early. And all this all this gathered up to bake this cake. So now we got we got to slice yeah. it up and eat it. You know, and, Vicky, and- I I will tell you that there are many people out there who have difficulty taking any part in a divorce and, and often they a hundred percent blame the other. And there are some times when that may be the case. And I'm, I'm sure some of you listeners say that is absolutely the case in a terribly abusive situation, certainly. But, um, but Vicki, you are, uh, thank you for saying that because as I was preparing for this, I was, uh, that was one thing I did want to bring out. You know, there are always two parts to a story and we need to make sure that, that our take on the way things are um, is our take and an outsider may have viewed things differently and that was very good of you to say that to your son um, I think it's okay to prepare them for some changes but to to try to not put the onus don't make sure that we are not making our children become the parent um, that's really important I'm sure you did not do that um, so Vicky, you had some great points. I I want to to tell everyone listening out there, please don't think you have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Um, just know it's okay to reach out for help. But when you reach out for help, make sure that you reach out for help that um, is knowledgeable, that knows how to take you to the right place and not to, to pull you down further. Um, you're going through, when you're going through a divorce, a, a grief process. And so you do have to step through that. And, and the first part Heart, you know, is anger, uh, denial and anger. And um, but as you work through it, the, the resolution can happen. So, Vicki, thank you so much for your call. Let's stay on the phones. We have um, Kina in Covington. Is that correct? Yes, ma'am. Uh-huh. And you have some thoughts about statistics with midlife crisis divorce. Talk to us. Yes, ma'am. Me and my husband have been married for 28 years, and uh, I was totally shocked when he just up and said he wanted to move out. And I have two children. One was 23, and the last one was uh, 17, and he was in the last two months of his senior year. And um, my husband had been Looking back now, he had been roaming on Facebook for a while, and I mm-hmm. found out later he had connected with two, an old girlfriend from church, believe it or not, and another ex-classmate. So I think he saw he didn't hold out, you know, for my son to graduate, which really hurt my son because my son said, you're not going to leave before, you know, I graduate. Just think about it, Dad, you know, so 
I think he thought it would be easier on the kids because they were older. But mm-hmm. the way he did it and the sneaky way he did it and the abrupt way he did it made them angry. And it was like they were the ones telling me, you know, I was in the mode saying, you know, your dad will find out. He just, you know, jumped the gun, made a big mistake. And, you know, we had to forgive. You know, he just believed a lie. And then my children's like, no, you better not take him back, you know. <laughs> and even my daughter, who was always a daddy's girl, he was very shocked at the way she was. She did not show him any slack whatsoever, you know. Yeah. But, you know, he did some dirty dealings, kept my phone off and things like that and you know he was the one who you know tried to act nice while he was doing sneaky things and then he come up and lied to a family friend uh, and said that we both had agreed to have a divorce because Mm -hmm. while he was sitting there she was telling him you know I'm going through a divorce Chris she said we went on a Christmas trip, come home, and my husband, she said, I was clueless. He packed his bags and moved out with another woman. I didn't have a clue. He said, well, we've decided to go through a divorce, too. And, of course, his family found out. And his sister says, he's lying, you know. <laughs> and then his family turned on him. They were already mad at him and keeping a check on me and the kids because they said, you know, you've had a good wife. What are you doing this for, yeah. you know? So yeah. we all decided part of it was midlife crisis. Even though I finally told him he had about 10 years earlier, he had had an affair, you know. So I think he was probably kind of roaming ever since then, because even though I tried to make it work, I don't think he ever mentally came back, even though, like my counselor said, he pretended. So how how much do you think in men? That the midlife crisis, of course, he immediately wanted to say everything was wonderful till the kids came along. Well, how does that make the kids feel? That not good. You know? Yeah, I think, um, Kena, I've heard that uh, several times. Uh, you know, everything was perfect and wonderful until the kids came along, and and often that's because all of the sudden you couldn't be egocentric. You couldn't just take care of yourself. You couldn't just do what you wanted to do, but you had to take care of kids too and so I think you know again two parts to every story making sure that when kids come along that you don't forget about each other and center keep trying to make sure that you're centering on each other and um, and not just caring for the kids that's important too but um, I want to highlight uh, a couple of things that you said Uh, first of all Kina, you didn't say terrible, horrible things about your fa- your husband or your ex. Everybody knew what was going on. You didn't have to display the negative and post it on social media and call up all your friends and try to mount the forces. Um, they all were watching. And I, that's why I try to remember, uh, remind people about the fact that um, – people know uh, they eventually figure it out they know what's going on and so it's really important to try to take the high ground try to not win but to make sure that you keep as much stability as possible in the family and I heard you reached out to a counselor good for you um, to do that if you start feeling that you need somebody to help you work through it Um, certainly children especially teenagers sometimes can be 
um, the most difficult to be forgiving. Um, probably angry their life got messed up and became unstable. And so um, to, to try to make sure that you put some of those flames out of anger, and, and it sounds like you've done a very good job of it. So thanks for your call and thanks for sharing. I know that was tough, and, and I hope things are going well for you now, Kina. All right, let's go to um, Bounds in Magnolia. Are you there? Good morning. Yes, ma'am. Good morning, Doctor. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. You have some comments about the relationship with your father, or uh, yes, ma'am. I was listening to you, and uh, I was uh, like I was telling the gentleman. I was born on the Indian Reservation in Cherokee, North Carolina, and I went in the military. And when I got out, I found my father, and uh, I lived with the Indians and white people all of my life. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know whether him and my mother were divorced or what happened, you know. But I lived on the Jones, and I found out that I was a Bounds. And so I was just listening to what you were saying. And, and you know, it's been kind of hard on me because I'm 80 years old now, and I didn't get no education, didn't go to school or nothing. And, but I made it, and that's what I wanted to listen to know that, hey, sometimes the relationship, it just don't work. If you don't put God in it, it's not going to work no way. And so I lived by myself, and I've been in the state of Mississippi for some years, and I've been thinking about going back home. So I just listened to your comments of what you were saying and how you're going through. But yeah. I tell them, if they put God first, it'll work. If God does it, if man do it, it ain't going to work. But if God does it, it'll work. Those are some good words, Bounds. Um, so you you never had a relationship with your father? No, ma'am. And um, have you, did you ever find anything more about him? Were you able to? The only thing I know that he was a Cherokee Indian, and I didn't know who my mother was or nothing, and found out that her father came from Africa, and they settled in North Carolina, and uh, I didn't have no relationship with none of them. Like I said, I was raised by white people and the Indians, and and when I found them, I was just, you know, just lost, and it's, it's hard, you know, and I went through a whole lot of depression and stuff like that. That's really tough um, to to step through when you feel like you you're not you're not sure from where you came. But it sounds like have you have you gotten to investigate some? I would encourage you to to look more into your history and your heritage. Sometimes it's just interesting and it can can make you understand yourself a little bit better as to who you are and. Um, and where you came from. So do you have a relationship with the people who raised you? Uh, they all did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they, they all passed away. I lived in Pennsylvania with them, the, the captain of Pennsylvania, the Bradleys, and then I was living in another, another white family that they was mattress makers, and that's, that's the only family that I ever known. Yeah. And I didn't know... And you know, like I said, they know who I was or where I came from. And the only thing I found out that I was born on the Indian Reservation in Cherokee, North Carolina. And I was raised in, you know, in part of Sevier County, Tennessee, and Knox County. Yeah. Well, Bounds, um, 
I'm, I'm sorry that you had that kind of history. I hope that your your life is your the rest of your life is filled with with happiness and caring. There are plenty of people out there, listeners, who who need other people in their lives because they don't have um, that extended family. So reach out if you see somebody lonely. Make sure that you're out there for them. And I hope everybody learned that today the best thing you can do is to try to keep the positive ground in a divorce and make sure that you don't dig a deeper hole for yourself and for your children. Try to take that upper ground and get help if you think you need it. Today's show is engineered by Jay Wright. Our call screener, I believe, was Jared. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. Join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking. And stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now coming up next on MPB Think Radio.